Welcome to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum focused and dedicated to helping sales development professionals get better at their jobs and push the practice of sales development forward. This is a place for practitioners in the trenches every day getting it done, whether they're called SDRs, BDRs, ADRs, or others. It's a team charged with creating pipeline out of inbound lead activities and outbound approaches. My name is David Delaney, and I'm the host of the Sales Development Podcast. If you've got subjects you'd like to hear covered on the show or guests you'd like to hear from, hit me up via email at david at tenbound.com or LinkedIn or Twitter or be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, or wherever you found us. So good afternoon, everybody. This is David with uh, my esteemed guest today, Mr. Nick Ezzo of Host Analytics the VP of Demand Generation. Nick, thank you so much for doing the call today and uh, joining us on the Sales Development Podcast. Hey, it's my pleasure to be here, David. Absolutely. So I know that it's the last day of the quarter and um, you're completely slammed. You're doing presentations for for your senior executives. So um, we definitely wanted to just dive in. I know that you've been doing some really exciting stuff um, at the account level on the account-based marketing and really showing some great thought leadership in, in that space. So I want to dig into that. But um, just for folks that don't know you as well, Nick, um, how did you you know get into um, you, you know your position at VP of Demand Gen? What's your background, and uh, what brings you up up to uh, today? Yeah, it's a, it's kind of a funny story actually because I, I didn't study marketing in school. Um, I think I, I think I probably took one marketing class in college because it was required and. Uh, I think I might have actually gotten a C minus or something like that. But uh, in my background is uh, is IT. I spent 10 years of my career in in the call center space as an IT person and later as a call center consultant. Um, and uh, what was interesting about the call center space, and trust me, I'm making a point, um, we measured everything maniacally. We measured average talk time, average speed of answer, average wrap-up time, abandoned call rate, you name it. We had a metric for it. When I later got into marketing, after about 10 years being in business, um, I found that there was a very similar parallel in marketing statistics. And instead of the call center stats, now we're measuring things like open rates, click rates, time on page, um, MQL conversion rates, pipeline velocity, funnel metrics. And so uh, it was a, a kind of a natural progression for me to go in from the IT call center consulting realm into marketing. The, the way I actually got into marketing was, a, was kind of a battlefield promotion. Uh, I worked for a company that was downsizing right around 2001, and uh, my CEO said, well, we want, we want you to take over some of the marketing functions. And I said, I don't know anything about marketing. He said, no, 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 you, uh, you, you, you know how to do website design, right? And I said, well, I do my band's website. And he said, good enough, good enough, you're the webmaster. And then he said, well, you know how to run events too, right? I'm like, no, I can throw a party. He's like, good enough, you you got the job. So literally, um, overnight, I went from being uh, basically like a, IT kid to being a marketing person. And once I got into marketing, I realized, you know, this is not as, as hard as I thought. You know, all you have to do is understand a little bit of behavioral psychology, have a, uh, a little bit of creativity and have a penchant for statistics and you're good to go. Yeah. I mean, it seems like, you know, over the last 10, 20 years that marketing has become more and more, uh, you know, numbers based, I guess you could say. And, mm-hmm. and, um, people still have kind of a, uh, 
you know, they, they look at marketing as, oh, you guys, you know, make the pens and, and, uh, you know, make <laughs> t-shirts and stuff and, like that. Where, yeah, yeah. You guys do those PowerPoint decks and, you know, it's a very creative thing. And what are the brand attributes and how does it make you feel? And yeah, that's one part of marketing that kind of um, is irritating to most people. Um, but the, the, the quants <laughs> like me are, are the ones who actually pour over the data and, and would gladly spend hours trying to dig through data to figure out where's an underserved segment of the market that I could go create an awesome marketing campaign and, you know, uncover some hot leads for my SDR team. Yeah, exactly. I mean, in looking at the data, you can dig in and, and then, uh, you know, look at the behavior of the SDRs and, and see, is there something that we could be doing different to support mm -hmm. the programs, you know, based on the data that you're seeing. Um, and so you, it's, it's all becoming more and more, numbers driven and, and, uh, you know, the, uh, cross, cross departmental, I, I guess you could say between sales and marketing, um, as VP of demand gen, um, you know, what, what are some of the, you know, hot topics that you focus on every day? I mean, you're, you're running, um, basically everything that is at the top of the funnel and interacting with the SDRs. Is that right? That's, that's correct. All the digital online and offline campaigns. Excellent. Okay. And I know that, um, you know, lately you've been focusing more on the account level and looking at things from an account-based marketing perspective. Um, mm -hmm. tell, tell us about that. How, how do you go about selecting the accounts? How do you go about, you know, dividing them up and then going after them to be able to support the, the SDRs and, and the pipeline. Yeah. Yeah. So account selection. Yeah. So to answer your question directly, David, yeah, we, uh, we embarked on an ABM journey about a year ago and uh, you know, we've, we've made a lot of progress in the last year. Um, account selection is one of the hardest parts about it. And it's hard because if you get it wrong, then, you know, it affects the outcome of your entire program. Meaning if you've only selected 50%, correct accounts, then no matter how good your programs are, you're only going to have 50% success rate. So um, account selection is something we care very much about. And um, at first we let the sales reps pick the accounts they wanted to go after. But, uh, you know, I don't want to cast dispersions on the uh, qualifications of sales reps, but uh, some, some of them are better at others at picking accounts. And, uh, and they normally do it in four different ways that uh, I've seen over and over again, and none of them are very productive. Um, either they sell to people they've sold to in the past, like okay, I'm going to bring my Rolodex, I'm going to call everybody I sold to in my last company. Or secondly, they try to farm the territory that the last guy was unsuccessful at farming, um, which may or may not work. Maybe it was a bad sales rep, maybe it was bad sales territory. Um, third, they spend a lot of time cold calling, um, and they end up talking to people and selecting accounts of people that pick up the phone when they call. And as Groucho Marx famously said you know, 50 years ago, I wouldn't ever want to belong to a club that would have me as a member. And likewise, I wouldn't want my salespeople spending an hour on the phone talking to somebody who has an hour to spend. So you know, the, the final way that I've heard, and I, I'm, not, I'm not bullshitting you on this one, I had a sales rep tell me, hey, Nick, I've got this awesome account. My kid goes to school with this other kid, and his dad's a CFO. And to my response, my response to that was, that's awesome. 
totally not scalable. So, you know, how do we pick accounts for you? So honestly, what we've done is we've, we've uh, allowed the reps to choose accounts that they care about. And we augment that with some uh, data-driven account selection processes. So we use two different technologies. Um, one of them is from a company called Spiderbook, which is now part of Demandbase. And they use a lookalike model to um, evaluate our current customer base and to pr- provide accounts that look like people we've sold to in the past. Uh, we also use Infer for lead scoring, but they also have an account scoring component, and they will score our accounts as well based on um, similarity or dissimilarity against our current customer base. So we, we've taken a, a data-driven approach to to put accounts into the hopper. Does that answer your question about that before I move into the kind of execution question? Yeah, definitely. I think that's one of the big questions that people have is with the the slew of different technologies out there, what are some practitioners like you using that that are working. And it sounds like Spiderbook and Infer are two that work really well in that initial stage of account-based marketing, which is uh, what's a scalable way to pick out the accounts. Yeah, that's right. So once we've got the accounts picked out, you know, the very next topic is, okay, how do we get the people into the accounts that we care about? And in our in our world, we care about basically three different personas within the company. Uh, and those are pretty much title-based personas. Um, and so what we do is we, I've challenged my marketing ops guy to uh, fill 80% of these accounts with the three to five top contacts that we care about within the account. And we do that from a variety of methods. <clears throat> We've got data sources like Inside View, Zoom Info, Discover Org, uh, Rain King, Ins- um, Lead Space, you name it. We've got all this technology and we pull these names into, into our ABM program so that we can at least market to these people. Then our, our task is how do we engage with them? And so we've got a, a wide variety of techniques to get the attention of the buyer. Uh, some of those are classic techniques like email marketing. We put them into a, an email marketing nurture stream that is persona-based uh, and it, it speaks to what their, their needs are. We also do survey marketing against them. So we'll hire a firm to go out and, and do email surveys to, to find out what their pain points are. We invite them to webinars and VIP events. We send them swag, which stands for stuff we all get, you know, a branded mug or mouse pad or battery charger. Um, and so we really just try to, um, to get them on all fronts. We even do kind of air cover stuff like retargeting and uh, account-based advertising so that, you know, these top accounts, when, when my SDR is calling them, they at least have some familiarity with who Post Analytics is. Right, exactly. And, and it's, it's, it's taken from a strategic approach, first taking, you know, using a data-driven approach to find the accounts, the correct accounts that look like and, you know, show a propensity to actually buy the product. So that's thing number one. And then the, who are the people, the two or three people? You work with your marketing ops guy to get those people in there, get good contact information from some of those vendors. And then very careful and strategic targeting, getting them the right swag, the right, the right emails, the right surveys and all those things. So that by the time the SDRs call, there's some familiarity there. That's right. That's right. And if I can correct you on one thing, um, some people say swag, some people say swag. If you look it up on Urban Dictionary, swag means something entirely different. I won't say it here, but (laughs) go ahead and look it up. Okay. No, I, you know, that might be a carryover from my high school days. I don't know. So I'll, I'll, try to, I'll try to make sure. I like the acronym though, stuff we all get, but you know, if it's, uh, but I mean, to your point, it's, 
if you're if you're just sending all this stuff out randomly, um, which is I, I think what a lot of a lot of companies do, um, or they get their their lists, you know, from non data driven sources like your your friend who's you know dads went to the same school and stuff like that, then you're just kind of throwing money out the door, and uh, mm-hmm. and then you know having having the SDRs go on random cold call missions um, without really thinking through the list. It's mm-hmm. the same. You're you're throwing money out the door, um, but uh, but it, it, I mean, it sounds like you've got a much more careful approach, and it's working now. Once the the contact information gets into the hands of the sales development reps, do you have it? Do you have it broken out where, you know, there's A, B, C, and D personas per per se, for example, or or accounts where the account executives will be prospecting to those and the SDRs will be prospecting to others? Or how does it operationalize after, you know, say you, you get a lead or you get a good yeah. list? Yeah, good question. So in, in our environment here at Host Analytics, um, the SDR team is the tip of the spear in almost all uh, circumstances, meaning the SDR will be making the outreach. Um, it's not that way at every company, but we literally have, you know, 20 somethings calling into CFOs and having conversations with the office of the CFO. So, um, having said that, those SDRs will strategize with our account executives, um, to come up with a game plan for each and every account. And it's going to be a tailored game plan, uh, for every account, depending on what the, you know, what their circumstance is, who we're trying to replace, who we think the competition is. You know, what are some of the things, you know, what do the players look like? What are they, you know, who do we know there? And so uh, the SDRs and the account executives strategize on a weekly basis on, on the very top accounts that they care about. But it's really the, the SDR team that we have empowered to, to go and carry the mission forward. Okay. And, and what kind of a uh, ratio do you have between the AEs and the SDRs? Is it sounds like it's one to one or is it is it? To- well, it's not quite one to one. Sometimes it's two to one. Sometimes it's three to one. Um, two or three account executives to an SDR. Um, that is, and they're primarily aligned with the SDRs on the on the outbound or ABM side. On the inbound side, we we took a different approach uh, just this year, and because inbound is very lumpy, meaning it, some things come in in different cities and geographies and. Uh, patches and uh, you know enterprise versus corporate we, we round robin every inbound lead so everything that comes in either through the web or through content syndication through a webinar through a regional event all that stuff gets round robin across the SDR team uh, irrespective of the alignment with the outbound uh, AE okay and so do you do you have your SDRs broken out between outbound and inbound so do you have a specific inbound team or are they hybrid yeah, they're all they're all blended hybrid at this point in time. Okay, that's interesting because we've tried it both ways. By the way, just you know, we, we we've we've gone back and forth a couple of times, and I think we've we've come up with a model that works. Um, outbound aligned to a sales rep, inbound round robin to smooth out the uh, the peaks and valleys across the SDR team. Okay, okay, and and so um, for example, a lead will come in, and it's round robin, not uh, not given out depending on a territory to kind of whoever's next in the, in the list. And, and then the SDR can work that lead all the way and get credit for, for, you know, bringing that lead home for the account executive, wherever they end up setting the meeting. 
That's right. It's a little bit more sophisticated than that. And if I could just talk about that for a quick second, yeah. we uh, we have a, an application that was custom built for us by uh, Lean Data and Infer. And as far as I know, we are the first users of this application. When a lead comes in, we first evaluate, is this a customer, um, an existing customer? Okay, then send it over to our customers for life team. Is it a partner or a potential partner? If so, send it over to the alliances team. And then whatever's left, um, it goes through a pretty sophisticated routing, which says, has there been activity on this account by anyone in the last 60 days? If so, send it to the person who did the activity so that we can then sort of match up the activity with the person who did it. There's this continuity there. Um, after that, then um, we round robin all the A leads, then all the B leads, then the C's and the D's. And so everyone gets an equal shot at all the A's and all the B's and all the C's and all the D's. So nobody gets um, you know, preferential treatment. And so far, that's been working really well for us. It's a, um, a pretty sophisticated system, but it, it's, uh, it's solved a lot of problems for us. No, oh, that's amazing. Because I, I think one of the big headaches that you get uh, with running an SDR team, for example, is that when a lead comes in and everyone's really excited about it, but then they they do their due diligence and it turns out to be a current customer, right? Or or their buddy down the hallway had been working it for three weeks, but it was a different name or something like that in the system. And, yeah. you know, it causes a lot of friction. And so um, it, was that something that Lean Data and Infer came to you with as a product? Or it sounds like it was a, a custom product that you guys worked up together? Yeah, so um, they they approached me because I'm, I was an existing customer of both Lean Data and Infer, and they said, "Hey, we've we've come up with this idea that we want to work on together. And seeing as you're a customer of both of ours, how would you feel about us, you know, building this out with you? And then you give us the spec, and or we'll work with you on the spec, and then we'll just build it to your spec. And that's exactly what they did. Okay, wow, that's that's terrific. I wonder if they're. Do you know if they're doing it with any other co- companies or? It's still kind of well, they've now productized it, and they're they're actively selling it. In fact, uh, next week I'll be up in San Francisco um, delivering a case study on this uh, for Dreamforce. Oh, okay, nice, very good. <laughs> I know you're you're out and about quite a bit, which is cool. We we saw you at the dinner the other <laughs> night, and, and uh, you you just did a webinar for Infer a couple days ago, right? Um, I was that was, yeah. was that correct? <laughs> okay, very good. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I'm definitely out and about. I've got the, the good fortune here at Host Analytics to be able to um, implement a lot of different technology to solve our problems. Um, we're, we're a small team. You know, I'll, I'll be honest. We don't have 40 people in marketing. Um, we don't even have 20 people in marketing. But um, you know, somebody told me a while back that uh, 100 years ago, if you were running a sailing ship and, and you, you needed to operate a, sail, a sailing ship, you needed 100 men. You needed men to, to rig the sails and you need somebody to you know, work the tiller. And you need somebody else you know, manning the galley. And you need people in the, you know, rowing. And, you know, there's a, it takes 100 people to, um, to, to man a schooner to get you know, a sailing ship from point A to point B. I also heard that recently um, that these today's modern battleships and battle cruisers uh, can be run with as few as three people running this massive ship uh, because it's all automated. And so that's kind of my approach to technology in that I, I love to use technology, but only to the degree that it will help my small team act like a much larger team and give us a wider reach than we would ever be able to with such a small team. Yeah, I mean, it, it's amazing. If you think about it, just maybe 10 years ago or or 
or you know 20 years ago you're probably doing the work right now like you said of a much larger team but it's so streamlined because of the technology um and and i i tell mm-hmm. my son i'm like look there's only going to be two jobs you've probably heard this before but there's going to be two jobs when you grow up one it's either uh, you tell the robots what to do or the robots tell you what to do, right? <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> my recommendation is, right. you know, learn the technology so you can harness it because you, like a, like you said, you're probably doing the work of 10 different people right now by using tools like Spiderbook and Infer and Lean Data and all these things. So, um, you know, we... Yeah, and then yeah. Yeah, whatever it takes to keep these robot overlords off my back, you know? <laughs> Well, we bemoan the fact that there's, what, 2,000 different marketing technology vendors right now, and they're all probably calling you every day, Nick, to to set up meetings. <laughs> <laughs> but the truth is, I mean, there's a lot of really interesting products right now, and, and uh, you know, there's a lot of different ways. If you, if you can organize the all the different technologies into a way that really helps you um, instead of kind of letting them get out of control. So <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I, I'm assuming you have a good uh, marketing operations person that you can rely on to help you sort through that stuff. So, yeah, that's, that's a key role these days that didn't really exist a few years ago. It's, it's marketing operations and analytics. So not only does this particular person run all of the, um, the systems and make sure that all these systems are talking to each other and everything's wired up correctly and, uh, you know, no leads are falling through the cracks and that the SDRs are getting notified appropriately. But he also provides me with information about what's working and what's not working. Um, and so that's that's the level of, of detail that uh, you absolutely need. It's it, That would be, I think, marketing ops is probably the first hire that any marketing department should make. Yeah. And the, the good ones out there, they're usually freelancers um, because they know that they can work <laughs> anywhere and they know a lot of people. So they just kind of go from company to company. But the good ones are, are you know, they're very in demand. Um, and it's funny because um, one of the first things that I did when I started running a big, complicated sales development team was try to get a, a job rec approved for a data analyst to, to be attached specifically to the sales development team um, b- because the, the, the team and the interaction with marketing is so data driven and involves, you know, digging through data and understanding what's going on um, that I, I felt really strongly that we needed someone who would focus on that specifically and be able to constantly report on where we could be improving. Um, and sure. I, I think I think that's a direction. If you get a if you're getting above a certain number of sales development reps uh, interacting with someone like yourself who's producing all these all these programs and producing all this data, that someone's got to be the navigator on the ship, right? Back to your ship analogy. <laughs> sure, that's exactly the person's role. Yeah, I mean, just just a an, an analyst um, who can always be monitoring you know are are we in the red anywhere and what should we mm-hmm. you know what, is that an iceberg up ahead or is it land you know right is it a whale that we're out there trying to hunt you know a huge account that we want to bring in you know that's that's the navigator is a is a key role in the marketing ship yeah it really is and and it's it's interesting because you know i would bring that to your old school sales leader or marketing leader and they would look at me like i was nuts um, because 
you know, why not just hire two or three more SDRs, you know, get, get some more pipeline, <laughs> but it's like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> we could, we could have, we could have a, a we're keep going back to the ship analogy, but we could have like, we could, sure. We could add like four more people on the row, row, you know, the rows, Roman or whatever down downstairs yeah. you know, doing the, the rowing. Yeah. Sure. We can add four or five more bodies down there, but what if we're rowing toward an iceberg? Like, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like, so it's interesting. Yeah, I think it'd be great to take those four rowers and then turn them into an awesome navigation GPS system that will alert you before you hit the iceberg. Hey, <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, that's good. So let me, I know I, your, your time is short today, but um, I just wanted to ask you a couple more questions. One is, do you see anything that's come up lately that just has stopped working? Um, you know, any marketing tactics, any SDR tactics, anything around building pipeline that, you know, you came to the realization like, geez, I mean, that worked, you know, a couple of years ago, but now we got to drop this. Yeah. Cold calling. That's one of them. <laughs> cold calling is dead, you know, um, because if you think about it, and then by the way, when I look at our reports, um, that's the lowest converting activity, meaning, you know, one out of 100 people who, who take a call um, will actually set up a meeting with, with a sales rep. And if you stop and think about that for a second, you know, it, is, there, it seems to be fairly logical. It, it, you know, they're not looking to buy anything. They just have to pick up the phone at the wrong time. And there was a sales rep on the other end and they couldn't say no. They ended up taking a meeting. And it's, it's, a, it's a horrible way to go about it. Um, you know, warm calling, I don't know if people call it that, I think I've heard that term, um, is a much better approach, which is to, to, to send out some air cover, whether it's through um, advertising, email, uh, invitations to events, whatever. And then if somebody shows any kind of interest at all, then you prioritize them, you score them, you figure out how to get in there. And so it's, it's a much better approach. Um, you can also use things like intent data to figure out what companies are out there that are researching your type of solution or, or researching problems that you can solve and using intent data nowadays, you, it's another kind of GPS. You can figure out, you know, is there a, is there a whale over there? Is that an iceberg? You know, and um, that's the kind of stuff that, uh, that has replaced just the brute force cold calling. It wasn't that effective back in the day. It's even less effective now. The, the second thing that is, is uh, I've seen diminishing in its effectiveness over the last, I want to say, 10 years is, is email marketing. There's a million different places that your email will get stopped before it gets through to your person, whether it's the um, company-level domain filter or firewall, uh, whether it's the person's junk mail folder in their Gmail or Outlook, or, or whether it's just the person who, who sees it and the image doesn't load and they just hit delete because they don't like your subject line or they don't like your, your, the look of your email. I'm, I'm honestly uh, surprised that, that, that email marketing still exists in any form because it's, it's done poorly and it's done a lot. Um, literally, I, I get 50 messages before lunch and 50 messages after lunch, and the vast majority of them are unsolicited. You know, the old uh, you know, axiom about, oh, the best time to send an email, a marketing email, is between 10 and 11 o'clock on Tuesdays and Thursdays. <laughs> well, guess what? everybody in the freaking world is sending out emails during that spamming hour. And so like, that's the hour that I literally just shut down my computer and don't do anything because, um, you know, it's, it's inbox competition. Um, having said that, the, um, 
The one thing I have found effective, particularly sending emails to the C-level executives, is sending emails from a, a one-to-one personal emails on a Saturday morning or Sunday morning. Because one thing is for sure, executives check their mail on weekends. And they're typically checking it from their, their device, uh, either at some you know, kid's soccer game or kid's birthday party or some you know, event that you know, they've got some free time or maybe they're staying at the supermarket checkout. But they're going to check their phone um, or something while they're, while they're out doing their stuff on Saturdays and Sundays. So my advice to your audience is if you want to get to the very important top officer or veto, then uh, send a, a targeted email, not a spam email, targeted email on a weekend. Interesting. Okay. And, and uh, better if it comes from your CEO directly or can it come from the actual sales, sales rep? Uh, does it? Yeah, best case yeah. Yeah, best case is C-level to C-level. Um, uh, two or three companies ago, I had a, a shadow account of my CEO, and I would literally send out like dozens of emails on his behalf every every Saturday and Sunday morning. And you know, my biggest fear was that I would get engaged in a conversation with another CEO. And you know, how how long can I keep this ruse up that I'm not really that guy? I'm just some marketing dude um, posing as him. But uh, no, C level to C level is the best way to go. Um, if you can't do that, then you know, make it come from a person. You know, and title is important, but it's not that important if it, if the content is tailored and and the person has given some thought into what goes into the email, some research and care has been taken. Um, you know, and it, it can be from anyone. Yeah, I, I mean that's that's the key, right? If it, if they open it up and it addresses some kind of pain point or something that they're concerned about. They might take a minute to, to read it and respond. But, you know, if it's just a bunch of stuff about your product or how great you are, it's all about you. Or then. personalization fail. That's the other one I love is, is people who try to do personalization, but they, they don't realize how dirty their data is. You know, uh, I got an email the other day, you know, my, my name is Nick Ezzo, right? So first name Nick, last name Ezzo. Um, the emails up, uh, the email greeting said, hi, Ezzo. I'm like, what is this, my high school gym teacher or something? <laughs> the hell is this? <laughs> so, yeah, that's the other thing people don't think about is data quality. It's the last thing people think about. But honestly, dude, it is the most important thing. Your data is the foundation on which all of your programs are built. So do me a favor and take some time and clean up your database. If you can't do it, hire somebody to do it. Because for every email that you send out that's good, I guarantee you there's at least one or more that are terrible and are hurting you. Yeah, that you know that's a really great point. I, I think that uh, you know there's there's some very good data providers out there, but they are pretty pricey, and and so it's it's sometimes it's hard to take that in as a budget item and say you, you have to make the case right for for going up market to some of those higher level data providers and spending the money, but I agree. I mean, it's so worth it. The, the, the other thing, yeah, is, yeah, the, yeah, go ahead. There's even some middle tier ones too. So there, there's some really expensive ones that are out there, but there's also you know some that are offshore and they can apply some rules and logic and, and even automate some of your data cleanup, like taking the all caps and, and converting it to proper case so that when the email greeting says, hi, Nick, it's not saying, hi, Nick. It's, you know, <laughs> just normal case. So yeah, it's just basic stuff that could be done even offshore. Yeah, and then the other thing is putting the tools into the hands of of like an SDR. I, I remember um, one time one of the SDR managers at, at a company I was working came up to me and they were white in the face and they said, you know, Bobby just sent out a hundred emails that the token didn't pull through. 
And so it was just like a bunch of oh, like, I really gook. Yeah. Oh my God. That oh, was the worst. Man, I did something funny. Here's, here's one for you. Here's, it's, uh, not to story top you, but I, uh, <laughs> I, I sent out an email to, I don't know, maybe a few thousand people last year. And instead of putting the token in there, I had the placeholder of Colleen, who was the girl that like set up the program. And so I literally sent an email to like thousands of people that said, hi, Colleen. So, you know, I'm guilty of that as well. But I sent out an email immediately following that, and the subject line was, we know your name's not Colleen. <laughs> and, you know, we've had higher engagement on the apology email. I even had a couple of people say, did you do this on purpose? Because normally I don't respond to these things, but your follow-up email was so funny and so, like, you know, self-deprecating that I felt like I needed to call you guys back. Yeah, exactly. Maybe we're on to a thing, you know, send out uh... – Send out 500 screwed up emails on Saturday <laughs> to all as CES. Yeah. No, uh, but no, I, I know. I mean, the creativity becomes hard. Uh, you know, that's one of the things you're coming in and grinding every day. And, you know, sometimes it's hard to come up with something creative. I mean, you kind of stumbled on that one, you know, uh, <laughs> without even trying to be creative. Yeah, my CEO wasn't happy about that one at all because <laughs> you know he was copied on that. He was on, on my on my distribution list, and he's like, "What is this?" I'm like, eh, "You know, my bad." You know, yeah. this, the you know, the the, uh, the follow up was was actually outperformed you know three to one the original email. So that's amazing. Yeah. And <laughs> on your other point, you know, with the cold calling, you know, how do you explain that to your kind of old school, you know, sales leaders who are walking through the aisles of all these, you know, highly compensated uh, SDRs and AEs and dead silence, you know, and they're going, mm. hey, what's going on here? How come you guys aren't cold calling like we used to do back in 82? You know, that's how we got all of our... <laughs> <laughs> I've had this conversation yeah. before, so... What do you say? Yeah, that's a difficult conversation because um, I've seen that happen before. You know, where's all the energy? Why is there no buzz? You know, this pit energy. And, um, you know, sometimes the pit energy is the clackety clack of fingers on the keyboard, you know, because, you know, we're putting, we're doing research and we're putting, um, you know, thoughtful um, ideas behind our outreach. And, you know, we're trying to figure out, you know, what's the next campaign to put out there. And, you know, it is a, it's a challenge, but I'll tell you, one of the things that uh, that I have found to, to circumvent that or to kind of jumpstart it is if you've got an, an SDR or two that are just like fearless on the phones, you know, go up to them and say, hey, look, you know, it's too quiet in here. Why don't you guys start making some phone calls? No one wants to be the first person making phone calls in a quiet room because that means everyone can hear what you're saying. So, you know, you get the two people who are fearless, have them start dialing, and then, um, you know, everyone else will follow suit. So that's the way out of that trap. Yeah, or or you you move their desks right next to the CEO's office and <laughs> just be like, "Hey guys, will you pound the phones all day so uh, he can hear you?" <laughs> it should be okay. <laughs> that's awesome. Exactly. Well, Nick, um, maybe we should do a recording noise of people making phone calls and just play that in the background, kind of like Muzak, you know? Right. It sounds like there's like buzz going on in the room anyway. No, I like that. Just pipe it in. Bring, bring, bring a little idea, speaker. Right? <laughs> yeah, go ahead and, you can go ahead and market that, man. I'll, I'll, I'll market it for you. you. You go start the company and we can do it together. <laughs> and the silent sales floor <laughs> today with this new product. Yeah, background buzz. <laughs> I like background it. Background buzz incorporated. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Well, Nick, thanks a lot, man. That was an awesome, 
awesome talk and uh you know appreciate all the new ideas and and, and your insights um good luck with the end of the quarter and i'll uh, give you a few minutes back in your afternoon hey thanks david it was a lot of fun take care now